Welcome to the Youthology Podcast. This podcast is by youth for everyone to give young leaders an opportunity to advocate for the issues that impact our communities. Our mission is to create positive change for youth. Welcome to the Youthology Podcast. I'm Carlos Pacheco. I'm 17 years old and I'm a senior at Pulaski High School. My name is Ari. I'm a junior at Golda Meir and I am about to be 17. Hello, everybody. I am Clark. I am a sophomore, and I'm homeschooled. Hi, my name is Lily, and I'm 15 years old, and I'm a sophomore at Goldsmeyer High School. All right, so is there a reason you guys are specifically doing this podcast? Why are you trying to do this podcast? I would say it's a it's a very open conversation, and it's really nice to hear people just freely express themselves and their opinions and, you know, get that out. Uh, I'm here just to, like, you know, Try something new. I've never done this before, and it's a new experience. I just like to have a space to talk about what's going on in our community and to hear what others have to say about it as well. Yeah, I personally just like to hear what other people think of what's going on and the issues that there is. Do you have a target audience that you're trying to hit with this podcast? I mean, I think we should try to be hitting everyone because uh, if we can impact everyone in a meaningful way, that means a lot. Yeah, I think this what we're what we talk about will affect everybody. So I think we should talk. Yeah, I agree. Target everybody. Yeah, I also do feel like this is a podcast where we're trying to help a lot of people out and just make the community a better place. Is there any way that this podcast can be of resource to anyone, or they can use it? I think hopefully that people can use this podcast to like educate themselves on the perspective of others, especially younger people who are going to be affected by it for much longer because they're younger and they have a lot more to go through in the future. I agree. Um, yeah, I think also it's important to have resources of open conversation and discussion, especially when you're young, um, and to hear that from other people your age. Yeah, I think people are really going to be able to use this podcast to reflect on things. Like they're going to be hearing many different points of views on different topics. They can use it to educate themselves about different opinions or other things we're going to talk about. So what topics can people expect to hear in this podcast? So in the future, we do plan to talk about things related to drug and alcohol prevention, social justice, and things relating to community, and also mental health. All right. So I think this podcast today is going to be mainly focused on mental health specifically sad but you know to talk about mental health first is there what do you think the stigma around it is what what does stigma mean you know to i mean there is a negative stigma around it because people often feel like they can't talk about it because it's taboo just saying like it's my personal business i don't want to be sharing with others or i'm embarrassed to share with others because it means i'm weak or something like that and that's both of those things are just not true it's a very common thing that a lot of people go through having poor mental health or worrying about their mental health and that type of thing. It's very, very common. Yeah, because I do know that I've personally faced, you know, stigma on mental health around my community, I guess, with my parents or my family members. Have any of you had to go through that? Definitely on the subject of community, there's certain communities where it's like, it's not okay to have mental health problems or it's frowned upon and, you know... We're both Mexican. That's a thing in our community where oftentimes mental health isn't taken seriously or even sometimes from relatives of mine, I hear like, why is this a concern for you? 
So then I guess we could all pretty much agree that it does stop people from getting help, right? Yeah, because, like, sometimes it could be hard to, like, bring it up because, like, then it could, you, it could put you in an awkward situation. Yeah, I agree with you because some people aren't under, as understanding of it. Like you said, it's frowned upon in some communities. So they can very much put you in awkward situations. But do you guys have any safe places that you would like to talk about mental health, like school or with your friends? I know I personally just like to chat to friends. How about you mm-hmm. guys? Yeah, friends. I, I definitely trust my mom. My friends are always open to those kind of conversations. Yeah, same here. We have the same mom, and my friends are very understanding. They also go through that a lot, and they are all very understanding and very educated about medical health because they have it. They know what to look out for. They know what to look into in regards to themselves and others. But do you think there's a specific way that people should approach others to speak about mental health? Like, is there an appropriate way? Um, I would say just approach. Approach it with empathy and an open mind because that's always what's important, that you're listening to a person and you're actually hearing what they're saying. Yeah, I think also giving, like, you know, being on the other side of it, of trying to ask for help, I think also being very patient with yourself, and like being reflective of what you're going through, you know, that's also a good step to approach others to get help, you know, be reflective and try to see what you're going through so you can reach out to others. But talking about mental health, I know that right now something that is going on that's affecting a lot of people, it's SAD, which is Seasonal Affective Disorder. And it's a type of depression that's related to changes in the season. And it begins and ends at about the same time every year. If you're like most people with SAD, your symptoms start in the fall and continue into the winter months sapping your energy and making you feel moody. These symptoms often resolve during the spring and summer months. Less often, SAD continues depression in the spring or early summer and resolves during the fall or winter months. Have any of you personally dealt with it or known any, anyone who deals with it? I personally do deal with that. I'm not officially diagnosed with it or anything, but I'm definitely a person who gets sad during winter months. Just because of weather changes, it's cold outside, and I know a lot of other people are impacted with it, too. Mm -hmm. Actually, about 5% of adults in the U.S. experience seasonal affective disorder, or SAD, and it tends to start in young adulthood, and SAD affects women who uh, more often than men, and although researchers aren't sure why, about 75% of people who get seasonal affective disorder are women. And about 10 to 20% of people in America may get a milder form of the winter blues. Yeah, I also think it's very important to know all this information because I think me and Lily spoke about this and she said that she wasn't even really aware before she even talked about it with someone. Yeah, that is a conversation we did have in which I never realized that this was a actual medical disorder and that it was something that was a legitimate thing that existed. And I thought the way I was feeling wasn't a valid way to feel or that it was a real legitimate thing. You're okay with me bringing that up, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, (laughs) sorry. I didn't just want to expose no one. (laughs) So what do you guys think that we should look for when our friend or someone we know has symptoms? I know that sad, you know, seasonal affective disorder is very much like a seasonal depression pretty much. And we can look for the basic symptoms of depression, which could be 
losing interest in activities that you liked before, you know? Like dropping hobbies out of nowhere, things like that. I mean, also having low energy and feeling hopelessness. I know also a lack of sleep and having difficulty concentrating can also happen like those are also signs. Uh, also, another symptom is suicidal ideation. You start getting a little maybe suicidal thoughts around this time of year. And also, if you are dealing with that, there is numbers you can call, which is 1-800-273-TALK. You know, it's also 1-800-273-8255 if you do need help and want to talk to someone. So how would you guys support a friend that exhibits these kind of symptoms? So I know that you could very much support someone with mental health issues by trying to get them to talk with someone that can, a, a professional pretty much, someone that can really help them. Or you can just try to motivate them, you know, get them to do some activities, get them to go outside, basic things like that. Also, if it is, like, the appropriate time to bring that up to them, you could, like, try to encourage them to go seek medical attention or uh, mental attention as well. Also, I was going to say, like, realize when you are a friend and not someone that is necessarily there to medically support them or be their doctor or therapist, where it's, like, have those boundaries and make sure if you bring up that you notice symptoms of depression, you're not making them feel defensive or that they need to be um, they need to be threatened by that or that they feel uncomfortable with that conversation. Just make sure you're coming at it in a way where you're making sure that you're explaining that you just care and you're there because you care. Possible treatments for SAD is exposure to sunlight, light therapy, psychotherapy, antidepressants, physical therapy, cognitive behavior therapy, chronotherapy, and serotonin uptake inhibitors, also known as SSRIs. Yeah, and I would just like to comment that I'm a person who's gone through therapy and using SSRIs, and I am currently on them. And I just want to say, like, for a long time, I was ashamed of that, or I rejected that kind of help when I needed it. And it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's a really natural thing that people need help in life. And... I'm not ashamed to say that I'm medicated because it's a it's a thing that some people need and that's okay. Yeah, I think we could really see in that the stigmas like we were talking about in the past. We maybe even carry those ourselves, you know, like we put these mental health diseases on other people, but once it happens to us, sometimes it's tough to accept it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's good that you said that. Yeah, it's just like having to confront that you have a problem and that there's nothing wrong with it. And that just because society has told you that having mental health problems makes you kind of weak or vulnerable or that getting assistance makes you lesser, that's not right and that's not the truth. Yeah, that's why having patience with others and yourself is very, very important because with patience is understanding and you just have to try for yourself and for others. Yeah, and I think a big thing that surrounds mental health in a lot of aspects of people's lives is holding a double standard. Like, for others, it's okay for them to have these mental health struggles and to go through all of that. But when it happens to them, it's not good. It's bad. And to recognize that it is a double standard and that working past that is probably the best thing for you. Do you guys know any ways that we can 
fight these own stigmas in ourselves or these double standards that we have? I think just being open with others about how you are and like not being ashamed or saying it's a secret that people have mental health problems. And that's what I always try to do is just be open and honest about it. So do you think talking about issues more helped you understand yourself more than or accept yourself? Yeah. And even hearing other people talk about how they've gone through therapy or they take this, it's like it's helped me realize that it's not an uncommon thing. A lot of people go to therapy. A lot of people take things in order to keep themselves balanced. I mean, I I think that's great to hear. You know, basically, it's if you're open about how you're trying to help yourself, you can even help others at the same time. Another thing that I've seen a lot of people do, like my friends who do struggle, is that they will kind of talk about themselves in the third person almost. Like they'll describe what they're going through as if it's someone else and like it kind of gives them a perspective of it's okay it's normal as long as you're working through it and in a healthy way it's completely normal and fine to deal with and have struggles dealing with that yeah i personally know that writing down your emotions how you're feeling is also very important because sometimes there's things that we can't say or communicate to others but if we write it down and just pretty much not talking to no one just writing down things can help you understand what you're going through or you know even be able to put it out there also i think we shouldn't like lots of people do this where they would stereotype people who have mental disorders where they would find they like they might have grew up on this or maybe saw a movie or something like that where like people with mental disorders are like weird or dangerous or stuff like that like you you need to we need to break that system break that tradition of stereotyping people also yeah i think you just spoke very important about something how sometimes media puts stigmas on people or puts up like oh this person has this or is this they're gonna act a certain way but realistically it's not like that you know what i mean like i know plenty of people like that are schizophrenic or things like that that are able to go throughout their day and you know they're not out here on murderous or ages like they would say on movies it's not true. And right. I think media does affect it like that. It can even affect, it, it even affects some other issues, you know? Yeah, and I, I think that's a really good point to bring up, Clark, where it's a lot of the times mentally ill people are depicted as dangerous or scary when that's not really the reality of it. The reality of it is also that we shouldn't be afraid to ask others if they need help because I don't know if anyone else has gone through it, but... I personally know that when I was sad, I, I didn't even recognize that I was in that state. You know, I didn't recognize that I was feeling sad or going through something. And I think what really snapped me out of it was someone asking if you're okay. You know, so simply have, having the courage to ask one of your friends, how are you doing? Or like I said before, asking them to go out can really help someone. Mm-hmm. And it's also important to be honest in response to those questions where it's like, it's okay to not be okay. It's corny to say that, but it's okay to not be okay when someone asks you that question. And with that, it's also okay to not tackle the problem immediately. Like you can take a second to feel sad and to kind of take a second to step away from it and then come back and deal with it as long as you do come back and try to deal with it and work through it. And it's also important to know that sometimes you're not going to be able to know how to help someone. You're not going to be able to guide them throughout their own struggles or the mental 
you know, battles they're facing. And sometimes you're not even going to understand yourself. You're not going to know why you're sad. You're not going to know that you are sad. So it's important to know that it's okay to feel lost or confused because it's a normal thing. And that's why it's important to be honest with others to be able to speak about your emotions because you might find the reason you're confused. I mean, as a person who's a teenager, it's not your job to be that therapist, that doctor friend for others, because at the end of the day, your job is to be taking care of yourself. As It might sound selfish, but it is back to the cheesy, put on your own face mask first before the airplane goes down. Then you can help others. You have to make sure that you're doing okay first, and then you can allow yourself to help others. Not a lot. Don't take everything that they have, but help them and help them through their own problems. Yeah, like you said before, I think it's important to know how to set up your boundaries with your friends on things that like, hey, man, like, you know, I know you're going through something, but I don't think I can help you. But I know people that can and here are some resources like it's important to know that and not feel guilty about it because it is not your fault for not being for not knowing how to help someone. It's a normal thing, you know, but. Yeah, you have to know your limits, know when to speak up and know when to back off. Right. Yeah, I think it's nice to even acknowledge that on a personal basis. And what? how do you guys think uh, mental health is depicted in social media? Do you think it's uh, depicted in a positive, a negative light, a neutral light? I think it depends on what side of social media you're hanging out in. Right. Like, if you're on Reddit, and it depends where on Reddit... They're going to be like, oh, you little weak beta. <laughs> yeah, you know, it definitely depends weak beta. We on, the, talk about that on the community you're looking into. Yeah. I feel, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, thank you. I was going to say, like, in a lot of spaces, it's romanticized or it's diminished to be a different way where it's like, oh, I'm so sad. But yeah. when really it's like depression is like, can be debilitating and it's not something cute or fun or relatable. I think something important to acknowledge is how sometimes it is romanticized. They try to make it seem like it's something that it's not. Mm -hmm. I think something that's a good example about that is Euphoria. I don't know how many people have watched it out there. The show itself doesn't romanticize depression or mental illness, but there is a lot of this audience that does do it, and that's where the problem is. People mm -hmm. think that it's like something cool to feel the certain type of way and in that they might not take it as serious as it actually is and that could cause for things to become bigger issues what i also think that's interesting that social media sometimes does is misrepresent what like depression or men different mental health statuses are at their core because some people will either make it extremely dramatic how like depression can look when in reality it sometimes is very minimal or very quiet to the point where like it's unnoticeable in society and unnoticeable to even the people who have depression or other mental health issues yeah that's why i think we said it's very important to speak to others about how you're feeling because most of the things you're going to you're not even going to know you're going through them until you're out of there you're going to be like that was crazy i really went through all of that but you never realize while you're there so it's important to be honest with others and talk about your emotions. Also, I would say um, a more complex topic than what we're talking about here, but I feel like a lot of white people would appropriate mental illnesses 
in order to gain some kind of oppression or that they use that to define themselves or make themselves feel more unique in many ways. I do see that a lot in social media. Not that white people can't have mental illnesses or anything like yeah. that, but like sometimes there are certain kind of people who will decide to take on what that really serious mental health is and they will try to make it their personality, they'll try to make it everything that they are and kind of use it in order to like connect with other minorities or connect with other people who are actually going through something really stressful and in that in that in itself seems like a mental health issue but probably not the ones that they're trying to claim as theirs yeah i think it goes on from just being white people to people itself because truly something that people want to do is belong to a group of people and that can be trying to belong to a group of people like oh look at me i'm depressed i'm sad i feel this certain type of way trying to maybe you know feel understood we also see that Throughout everything, you know, like people that try to act like they're from neighborhoods that they're not or people that just want to belong. I think that's that's a problem with that. Like you said, people saying they have something they don't. Right. Um, yeah. And there's a difference between actually having something and just saying you have it for attention. Where like there's people who actually have mental disorders and then there's other people who say they have it just to have attention or like get uh, more views on something or get more attention in school or stuff like that. Yeah, but I also think it's important to remember that that's a very fine line that we can't really define because at the end of the day, we're not professionals. These are just our opinions. I'm 15. you are, yeah, you at home are also not a professional, you know. You should try to have patience and understanding with everyone. And if someone... Do you think someone really is faking a mental illness or trying to pretend that they have something they don't? Give them resources, places to reach out them, to reach out to. And from there, you shouldn't feel guilty because, like I said, you're not a professional. You can't help someone personally. Right. Yeah. So connecting back to people who actually have these type of issues or experience some form of depression or anxiety, how how should they cope with that what are techniques that can help someone calm down or clear their mind mindfulness is actually one of the ways you can and there's many different ways you can practice mindfulness like grounding statements or the five senses technique or just mindful breathing and i think today we're going to be doing the we're going to be doing the five senses grounding technique So this is actually something I've done before, and I find it really helpful sometimes, especially like if you struggle with disassociation or you feel like sometimes you get detached from reality or your environment. So um, join us as we practice this. All right. Take a deep breath, and let's do this. So this is to calm your body. So think about, look around, and recognize your immediate environment. Name five things you can see. So this could be something simple, like I'm looking around the room right now and I can I can see a pencil, I can see a water bottle, I can see a plant, I can see a computer. It, it can be really simple. So look around your environment. Can do, do any of you want to name some things you see in your environment? I see a microphone. I see a tablet, a mask, paper, staple. All right. So now we're going to say, 
we're going to name four things you can touch. This can be something like, I can feel this table. I can feel my hair. I can feel the clothes on my body. I can feel the shoes on my feet. Do any of you want to share some things you feel right now? I feel my socks on my feet and my hands on my chair and my sweater on my body. All right. Now we're going to name things we can hear. So obviously this is going to be different for us since we're sitting in a a podcast room. So I can hear my I can hear the people in this room breathing. I can I can hear my own voice right now. So take a minute if you need to pause the podcast or you can hear it through your headphones or just around your house, recognize those sounds. Okay. Now, name two things you can smell. So currently I can't really smell anything in this room, but do you guys smell anything in here? I think the lack of smell can be a smell. Just void. Just smells yeah. like my church. I mean, okay. You go to church, Carlos? Sometimes. That's nice. I mean, if it smelled, like, gross or something, I feel like that would be a way to tell, but I'd rather it smell like nothing than it to smell, like, gross or overly perfumey or something similar. Right. It just smells empty. Yeah. I think that's okay. Smells like like a Target or something. Actually, I understand that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's move on now. Name one thing you can taste. So this may not apply to some people. Stop stop doing all that. Stop doing that. I'm tasting my mouth. Right. It just... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So... It's it's okay to feel a little silly doing mindfulness sometimes. And I'm definitely a person who used to think like that, where it's like, I didn't take mindfulness serious. And that was like in fourth grade when the mindfulness teacher would come up in the classroom. Oh, yeah. And I would be like, get out of here. Yes. And it was it was difficult for some people. And it's better for me now. And right. I find it helpful many times. But I can still feel silly or ridiculous yeah. doing it sometimes. And feeling ridiculous or finding something funny about it isn't a bad thing. If you find something funny, like, oh, I can't believe I'm trying to taste my mouth right now, that's fine. You're allowed to feel funny, and you're allowed to think it's funny, as long as you're being aware that in this moment, I can taste this, and grounding yourself in it anyway. Right. So let's conclude with our five senses. So, you know, we all felt those things, and just feeling the bones in your body, and just breathing that air, you know. And I find that that's helpful to recognize sometimes just like even like one of the techniques I learned from the mindfulness teacher a while ago with just like feeling like parts of your body where it's like feel your feet, feel your knees, feel your arms. And that can just help ground me in the moment sometimes. I was first introduced to mindfulness when I was at middle school, right? We were in ACP. Our teachers sat us down and they're like, hey, we're going to do something new every day for the next five minutes, next three years of your life. We're going to be doing mindfulness. You know what I said? What'd you say? You're crazy. (laughs) That's what I said about mindfulness. It's just that mindfulness on paper, it doesn't sound very practical. Like you're telling me I'm going to sit here with my eyes closed, trying to feel my body. Right. right. It's something weird. And that's what I thought too. Yeah, it seems like when you start, when people start introducing the concept of mindfulness to you, like I was in third grade. I wasn't even aware of emotions yet. Like I wasn't fully on yet. And they were trying to explain, well, well you're going to sit there and you're going to try to feel what's around you. I was like, I do that all the time. It's like breathing. It is not like breathing. You have to actively want to do it in order to achieve the wanted effects of feeling back and composed, feeling 
grounded, feeling less worried, usually. I think mindfulness very much goes to the subject of, like, you know how people will say, oh, without suffering, there's no good times. I think you don't start appreciating mindfulness until it really grounds you in a moment when you need it. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, sixth grade, seventh, eighth grade, eighth grade, like, I never really had gone through anxiety or things like that. I'd been sad, sure, but it wasn't like actual depression. Mm -hmm. And I think when I got to high school and I started having anxiety, like, oh my God, like there's a lot of people here or things like that is when I started appreciating because I started actually having issues with things like anxiety and I had to use mindfulness. There was no other option. It was like use mindfulness or cry in the hallway, mm -hmm. which is embarrassing. Yeah. More embarrassing than taking a deep breath. So right. that's what yeah. I did. What kind of mindfulness techniques do you guys use? Do you guys use the ones that we're listening here today? Do you guys do something that's kind of more your own thing? What do you guys do? I do what my ninth grade civics teacher taught us. He's like, what you can do is just square breathing. Breathe in for four seconds. Breathe out for four. And you can do it anytime, anywhere. You don't need to close your eyes or relax. You just breathe in for four seconds and breathe out until you calm down and ground yourself. Um, I got this from my mom. She made us meditate a lot. But I normally just take a second to meditate. We say that. <coughs> I'm sorry about that. Yeah. Shook the whole dang earth. Um, so I got this from my mom. She made us do it all the time when we were little and pretty much now. Um, just take a second to meditate, you know, focus on your breaths, breathe in, breathe out, that kind of stuff. You personally coming from, you know, like a family, I guess your mom saying, oh, hey, we're going to meditate often and things like that. Do you really appreciate it or do you view it as something annoying that doesn't help? Uh, at first, I found it annoying because like to me, there was like there's so much other things I can do than sit here and just stay still like. Me, personally, I'm not really a, a sit-still kind of person, but um, now that I'm older, I've come to appreciate um, just standing there or sitting there and just taking a moment. Yeah, pausing time, being able to feel things. Yeah, for me, um, I often just do, like, take a deep breath, like, hold it for a second and just breathe out to order in order to ground myself or... Something we learned a long time ago from our mindfulness teacher is getting your hand, like starting at the base of your thumb and just going up and down with your fingers and just breathing with that. And it's like, I am calm. And it's just like doing that in order to relax yourself and ground yourself. I do. I do the same thing. I just don't say I am calm. I feel like that doesn't work for me. Yeah, I don't do the I am calm stuff. That's extra. Be calm. Right. No. It, it doesn't work for me. I don't like to talk while I'm thinking or, like, worrying or something. So I'll do that, and or, or if I can, I'll listen to music and stuff. Preferably not crazy, intense music or anything like that. Just, like, calm or music that I enjoy in general and just try to regroup. It's, that's usually if I'm extremely worried or extremely anxious. If I'm, like, to a point where it's manageable, I can do the... Moving your finger, moving your finger along your hand, technique. I think that's something important to acknowledge, that not the same thing is gonna work for everyone. Like, I can, you know, be walking or thinking about anything. All I just gotta do is take those four seconds to breathe in and out, you know. And for you, it's like you trace your call hand. And I don't know what Clark does, but I think you say you sit there, right? And 
meditate. Yeah, that's what's important. You know, not everything works for everyone. So you you really, this was a self-journey, you know. You're really going to have to try different things. Maybe guided meditation is the thing that works for you. It doesn't work for everyone. It doesn't work for me. Right. So, I find those people annoying. Yeah, me too. It's like. Don't tell me what to do. Someone's whispering in your ear. And I, I don't like that. So imagine yourself but, on a beach. You hear those waves crashing how, against the shore. But that's just how you guys feel about it. I mean, we're right. brothers. That's my opinion. Sinking right. into the sand. A lot of other techniques that people do is like mind, like kind of drawing mindlessly, but allowing your mind to put all of your worries into what you're drawing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just get into a flow state. That's right. what some people like to do. I know that some people really journal, not in the coherent way where they like say hey i had a good morning today it's just like you write down what you're thinking just anything like if you're thinking about shoes on top of a building you write that down you know it doesn't matter you just write things down and you get in a flow state that's also important you know Mm -hmm. just doing whatever you need to do is the goal yeah sometimes even getting distracted or doing something with your hands is important you know it's not just about mindfulness. Sometimes it's sometimes it's about getting distracted about things, you know. It's not just mindfulness itself. You can Right, just having like a hobby you can escape to, like especially when you're worried or sad and you just get in that state where you're you're doing something that you enjoy or that's like with music sometimes for me where it makes me feel mindful or it calms me down. And it just makes me feel better sometimes. Yeah, I think for me that very much is like taking pictures and like editing them and going through them like yesterday i was sitting at my desk for like like two three hours just editing pictures just flowing and going because that's what i like to do you know so and i just think to take it back to like finding something funny like kind of to take your mind off of it or to like because laughter isn't like the opposite of sadness happiness is the opposite of sadness laughter is just like a reaction you have to something so if you can find laughter in something and kind of give yourself a momentary distraction from the worry, from the stress, you should do that. Like, I know plenty of people who will take a second and kind of, like, either pull out their phone, pull out, like, a mirror, or go to a bathroom and just kind of pull funny faces for a second and just, like, give themselves something to not think about, think about a way to make themselves laugh and kind of escape for a second. Yeah, because sometimes that moment you have is, like, really important to just sit back and just think of nothing you don't have to really think of anything just need that moment so we just want to thank you for listening to another one of our podcasts we thank you for taking time out of your day for sitting here and trying to learn about something new just educating yourself we appreciate that with taking your time to learn about sad and how you can cope with it and how you can see if people around you are struggling with it make sure you subscribe to the podcast you share with your family friends and other young leaders tune into our next episode to learn about building and maintaining healthy relationships so thank you thank you have a good day bye, bye. peace bye